You're listening to the most fraudulent F1 podcast with Dan, aka Engine Mode 11. I secretly moonlight as Helmut Marco at race weekends. And Blake, aka Break. Echo chambers of farts and idiots on Twitter after races. It's the Engine Breaking F1 podcast. There we go. Second time lucky we managed to get it because I messed up the audio then I messed up the recording. Jesus Christ. Yes, as I was saying, Blake is not with us. Uh, I need to update that intro. He is again uh, at a secret race test track in Europe doing secret testing race things. Uh, so I'm joined once again with Dre and uh, we've gone we've gone for a threesome. <laughs> This this week we've gone for a threesome. We've introduced a new partner. Uh, we're spicing up our podcast, and uh, we got Dimitris from uh, was it car, car and driver in Greece, right? Yep, yep, exactly. Some Mediterranean spice, so to speak. Uh, maybe because I'm so Greek. I've been here for three minutes, and we're already talking about threesomes and Mediterranean spice. This is going to be a hell of a podcast, gentlemen. Yeah, <laughs> basically, like we're going to talk about Ferrari as well, so more Mediterranean spice. Like, oh yeah, yeah, we can't, can't argue with that. I, I just, I just was hoping that someone would buy me a drink first before agreeing to this. <laughs> but, uh, but no, we're straight it was in like there. A bit of a rough ride, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, as well, audio listeners. My dinner literally arrived just before. I hit record. We're having such an emergency podcast. Nothing is organized. Did you tell them about the travesty that happened to you? Oh, what? Before I had to change my shirt before we went live? No, so no, I no, no. Sauce. Before that, even the, the travesty that happened. Oh, my drink. My, my, yeah, I didn't. My drink didn't arrive. So I asked, shout out to my wife, where's my drink? And luckily it wasn't recording because uh, I got some abuse back and the drink unceremoniously handed to me. So uh, I am uh, dedicating this episode to uh, all the partners that put up with our bullshit. <laughs> Thank you. I couldn't do this without you, Harriet. I love you. Yeah. Gloria, <laughs> cheers. Um, thank, thank, thanks for putting up for my uh, constant podcast recordings. <laughs> and I'm single, so i <laughs> Well, we forgive you, mate. Yeah, it's, you. it's all right. We, we understand. Mm, there's your you, new threesome you. partners. <laughs> Oh, someone in the chat is saying that my beard is wild. It now sways when I shake my head. I suppose, yeah, it does a bit, doesn't it? Yeah, there's some good good growth, which, uh, again, if you're a new listener, the last time I shaved uh, was because I lost a bet and George Russell won in Brazil in 2021. So there you go. Been a, been a while. The beard, the beard has become sentient. <laughs> yeah, and I'm just checking now in the, rec- in the uh, recording window that there's no food in that either. But I think we're good. I think we're good. <laughs> I think I think you're all right. <laughs> yeah, thank you, thank you. Anyway, gents, it's how lucky we are that it was such a quiet week in the world of F1. You know, we're going to be struggling for topics to talk about this week. I think. I was just here for the McDonald's personally. I mean, did, did, did anything happen in F1 that we didn't talk about last week? <laughs> Nothing at all. Nothing at all. Yep. No, it's no drama. No rejections. No new signings. No nothing. Basically, like. Biggest news of the week was that Haas have revealed their car and it looks yeah. 90% the same as last one. And we're now going to spend the next hour talking about it. Oh, we yeah. could, we could, but, you know. On my, <laughs> uh, on my official notes, which I do have, I am semi-organized. I've gone with my, uh, 
We're going to start with Andretti, right? Because I feel oh. Thom, Thom, I don't know why I said it like that, F-O-M, they want to uh, bury the news and pretend that we don't know and that it never happened. But we know, listeners, that uh, there is some shenanigans going on with this, right? Because their entry... Smash the system, Dan. Smash the system. Yeah. You, you go against the grain. You talk about Andretti first. So that's, <laughs> that's what the FOM doesn't want you to do. We're going to get shut down. <laughs> We're going full conspiracy theory this episode. So... Sorry, I'm just fucking eating. It's okay. It's a mukbang video. I suppose. Yeah. Fuck the sake. engine breaking mukbang edition. I can hear people I've, I've now writing angry water. comments. Um, <laughs> they were the only team, right, that got the green light in by the FIA for this new team process. And then FOM decided to uh, turn around and say, actually, no, boys, I'm afraid you can't come and play with us uh, for the reasons they have cited uh, uh, in their statement. And I, will, I won't go through the whole statement, right? Because it's it's pretty big. But the key points that I've listed here is uh, their assessment process established that the presence of an 11th team would not in and of itself provide value to the championship. Any 11th team should show that its participation and involvement would bring a benefit to the championship. The most significant way in which a new entrant would bring value is by being competitive, uh, by competing for podiums and race wins. And... Uh, while the Andretti name carries some recognition for F1 fans, research indicates that F1 would bring value to the Andretti brand rather than the other way around. And then finally, uh, having the opportunity to consider the applicants' responses together with our own deliberations. Uh, this is interesting. They wrote to Andretti on the 12th of December asking, hey, do you want to come for an in-person meeting at our offices? Uh, and they say here, the applicant did not take us up on that offer. But since we have, uh, like, 10 minutes before we went live with this, uh, there was a statement from Andretti basically saying, I don't know what you're talking about. We never got no goddamn invite. What are you talking about? Right? Am I right in saying that? Yeah. That's what yeah. happened, basically. But then, we've, all, we've, we've all fallen for it. The old spam folder. <laughs> yeah. There, there was, like, um, I don't know, Alanis King maybe uh, wrote on it and said that from her reporting... She said that uh, it went to their spam folder, to Andretti's spam folder. What? No Spice, one checked. Sp spicy 11th team meeting with a chili emoji at the end of it. And that's probably yeah. what triggered the spam filter. Forward, forward, <laughs> forward, forward. Like, you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. BS back in the day. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, that's what happened basically though. As funny as it sounds. And it is. That's exactly what happened. It's not the first time we've had weird things like this though, because... What race is it where, um, was it maybe Japan or wherever where Aston Martin and Alpha Tauri got their FIA summons coming through on a WhatsApp message or something rather than an email? Yeah. And they yes. were just like, what? Well, yeah. I, have, I have seen this come up before. It's, it's like a second. I mean, who doesn't use WhatsApp these days? I mean, to be fair, I, I get it. I, I, I still know that the World Endurance Championship often communicates via Discord, which I just love the fact that they're, they're so up to date that they they use Discord to communicate things like meetings, summons, and penalties. I think that's really cool. Um, we're, 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 we're getting down with the times um, compared to antiquated F1, where Toto Wolf has to send an email to Michael Massey during the middle of Silverstone 
in 2021. <laughs> we've come a long way. Um, <laughs> in, just, 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 just a couple of years, we've, we've gone from emails to WhatsApp. So maybe by 2025, we'll all be using Twitter to to uh, discuss penalties. Via oh, DM. Jesus. Reddit. <laughs> oh, Reddit. God. Was it someone, was it, uh, I think it was Lamont a couple of years ago, like you say, race control were using Discord. Uh, and then somebody got in trouble because one of the teams responded to race control with a poop emoji. Yeah, yeah. Because they were unhappy with their penalty. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I remember that, yeah. <laughs> you know how they got on Discord, actually, uh, with the pandemic? They did the virtual 24 hours of the ah. month. They mm. used it to coordinate the teams, and they were like, hey, that's, this can work with real motorsport, with real racing teams, run by 65-year-olds who have no idea of Discord. And they did it, and it works. It works probably better than the FIA system that mm. using F1 with the emails on Outlook, I suppose. Mm. Not hard. Not hard. <laughs> 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 so going through these statements, right, a lot of this is such PR speak, and I, I like I say, going full tinfoil, I hate all of this. I think this is, like, nonsense. So... Mm. Research indicating that F1 would bring value to the Andretti brand rather than the other way around. Because Marisha was such a prestigious brand, right? It's empty. It, it, it was virgin when they first entered. Like, and then Marisha, yeah. <laughs> the, 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 the brand changed several times over in their short existence. Um, yeah, look... I, it's it's hard. You got you got to navigate through the PR jungle of what both parties are are trying to say. Um, and look, I am not. I don't work for Forbes. I I don't claim to be a brand value expert by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but I, if there's one thing I do know, it's that Andretti are arguably the biggest brand name in American motorsports. Like Mario is genuinely a celebrity in the United States, and that's probably the most recognizable American racing brand out there today. Um, they are already in a bunch of other championships, let alone, you know, the attempted F1. They're obviously iconic in IndyCar. They're now in the World Endurance Championship. They just won the Formula E Championship with yeah. Jake Dennis uh, just the, towards the end of last season. They're now in... They've got a lot of fingers and a lot of pies, motorsport-wise, at the moment. Um, and, yeah, I, I'd argue it is, it's as big a brand as anybody. So to say that, well, actually, you're doing this for you rather than you're doing it for us is i think a very bold statement um i'm not going to play the card that some people have played oh well how much is Haas bringing to the table how much is salber bringing to the table because let's be honest the parameters are different now from what they were when Haas was the last team who was allowed in in 2015 and that's i think is the key part of this that a lot of people are missing. I, th I think Haas, uh, I can't believe I'm going to defend Haas after being critical of them, especially on my last appearance. But I think they've caught a lot of strays um, as a result of being used as like a yardstick as to what Andretti needs to be to get in. And I think that's a little bit unfair because Formula One wasn't worth 17 billion, according to Forbes. 10 years ago and i think that's where the stem of this starts from um more than 
more than shall we say oh well you know you're not competitive enough i think there is an argument there that hey andretti coming in as a brand new team if it was going to be 2025 or six alpine power unit quite likely because they are the lowest supplying customer that's the rule if you're a new team and you can't agree a deal the lowest ranking customer will let all the least shopped customer has to supply you them on an, a brand new car not you know not actually testing it compared to the field with an Alpine power unit probably would have struggled a little bit. I, I, I think there is an argument you could make for that somewhere, but the stuff about brand value, I think is largely nonsense. I think there's a real reason for that, which I'll get to next time the, the chat comes around, but I, 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 I don't buy the argument of, Oh, well, Andretti's just doing it for yourselves. Well, that's kind of the point of an F1 team, isn't it? You're there to promote yourself. Um, that's, that's kind of the whole idea. Is it not? So like, am I missing something here? Um, uh, only thing I can add to this is that I've talked with to to Mario Andretti. I had an interview with him for for the magazine, and he's such a he's such an icon. You know, you, we used to sing maybe these mega stars of the past, uh, like uh, Sir Jackie Stewart, maybe uh, who are still alive and kicking and going to races, uh, visit the paddock and stuff. And we're like used to it, but the aura you get from talking with someone like Mario Andretti, it's just astounding. And that man, imagine that man walking the F1 paddock with uh, the Andretti Global uh, T-shirt on with the GM or Cadillac logo on it and roaming around the paddock, being an ambassador for his team, being an ambassador for F1 America. Lots of Americans know him even if they don't watch motorsport really he's just such an icon he's he's michael jordan he's lebron james he's uh tom brady so i i it's honestly amazing how they just did the research sure as dre said i'm i cannot you know say what exact value its name has but i'm i'm a member of the audience i can tell that the andretti name holds more value than any other possible um, name you could think of that has adorned F1 these days. Uh, I won't name names, obviously, but we all understand what I mean. So basically, yeah, it's just a baffling argument. Uh, and it's, it, it really highlights how it's not even about that. It's like they had to find something to put on that statement. They just put it there. They said, well, the underrated name, blah, blah, blah. Nah, nah. It's, 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 it doesn't even make sense. That's that's my opinion on it. Yeah, someone in the chat points out that uh, Mario Andretti was in the Pixar film Cars. What what more credentials could you possibly ask for? And uh, oh yeah, yeah, that, that's I'm, a winning argument right there. Yeah, yeah, that's sold <laughs> yeah. me completely now. No um, Indies, no F1 championships now. Well, the, the the point I was going to make on top of that is that Andretti has jumped over every metaphorical hoop that the sport and its major shareholders have asked them to do. There was talk of the $200 million anti-dilution fee. Andretti was like, fine, we'll pay it. Um, Toto Wolf said for once, oh, why don't they just buy a team? Well, we tried, but we couldn't get our power structure in place when they tried to buy Sauber in 2021 before they became the artists now known as Steak. Um, you know, the, the, you know, great value there in, in, in that brand, by the way. Um, so they, they did that. Then they then the, the argument was, oh, well, the facilities can't hold it. But 
you're all FIA grade one tracks. You're all designed to take 26 cars in case the grid gets bigger. So that was a nonsense argument. Um, you, you, they, they asked, well, are you going to be a factory team? Are you going to be building your own power units? And then General Motors joined the collaboration. General Motors was one of the biggest automotive um, manufacturers in the world today. I think they're top three in the world. And GM has now since and then we all saw it at Vegas weekend. I think they I think they deliberately laid it out at Vegas's weekend to say, oh, by the way, guys, we're building our own power units for 2028. So we actually are going to be a full-blown factory team in five years' time, basically. There is no other argument you could jump through. You might as well say, if you're not gonna take this now are you ever going to accept another team ever again i think that you, you at this point we've got to be asking bigger questions about formula one's entire attitude as a sport towards competition because andretti has ticked every metaphorical box i could think of to have a valid formula one team on the grid for 2026 or five or whatever year they, they were planning to lay this out for they've done everything you could possibly do um, yeah. If you're t- if if you're turning them down now at this point, there's got to be bigger political reasons as to why that is, because the arguments that that, that FOM has come out with in regards to this, and let's not forget, they're going against the governing body, like they're going against their own governing body, and because the FIA signed off on this four or five months ago. Yeah. Um, and that's going to be another angle to take a look at this, because Mohammed Ben Sulaim signed off on this and has been pushing for this team for a long time now, a good year, and we all know that Formula One's management do not get along well with him right now. (laughs) It it feels like Andretti are a political pawn for the two major parties in Formula One who are at loggerheads right now. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's, it's wild in that sense. Yeah. And another part of this statement as well I take a big issue with is the bit where they say, oh, you can bring value by uh, being competitive and competing for podiums and race wins. I'm sorry, no new team is going to join and come out of the box and be a race winner. That just doesn't happen. You, ca- you can't <laughs> expect someone in the background to build an F1 car and go, yep, this is going to be everyone else that's been doing it for the last 15 years. It's our first time doing it, but by gosh, we're going to win the race. Like, No, you're not. It's going to take you years to get into that rhythm and build up your team to get it into a position where you're like, okay, we know what we're doing now. We've got some experience. We can actually start being competitive. I think that is such a crap comment to put in there. It, it, well, oh, it's totally Joe. Go on. No, go, you, you first, mate. You first. I, I spoke last time. It's only fair. <laughs> oh, it's okay. No worries. No, I, 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 I second what Dan said. Obviously, we cannot expect a new team come out and win uh, right out of the gate, especially when you're talking about a team who's from the ground up. It's not that uh, you buy an existing team and you're like, okay, I'm going to use what they have done over the years and I'm going to take advantage of that. Um, It's not a Braun GP situation, basically. Um, To me, all of the arguments, like because I've read them um, through and through, I tried to see whether they stand or not, because I just wanted to give F1 a, stand, uh, um, a chance. I cannot even understand how they believe that a team can come in and be like, oh, okay, good. Now we're, we're uh, not say title contenders, but we're, we're in for the podium and the wins in the first season we're entering. Like who even does that in modern 
F1. In F1 in general, I believe the only new team like that has won a race in the past 25 years is Bronze P. No other team in their first season could win a, a race because the, there are decades of experience for other outfits. Even Haas is a decade-long team almost by now. Yeah. So basically, everyone is better than you, even if you are better prepared than them because you have to play catch-up for a year or two at best. That's why when Audi enters uh, as a manufacturer, uh, as an engine manufacturer with uh, Zalber, yeah, they will have the Hinwheel um, headquarters and the amazing engineers they have. Zalber has one of the best engineering teams in F1 right now, but they might not have the engine, but even they do have a good engine, they'll have to find their feet in F1. So basically they just, as Dress said, they've set up metaphorical boxes for Andretti to check. They've checked all of them, and now they create even more, even new ones. <laughs> like, it's amazing. Say what you really want to say. You, as an American owner of a sport, want to copy the U.S. sports model. You, you want to borrow that NFL-style franchise model where you have got your closed shop, you've got all the franchises you want to have, and then you will negotiate deals and contracts and everybody makes the same money together in a little tight little circle and no one else is allowed to, is allowed to get in. I completely agree with what Dan said. New teams, like, on a, on a basic level, first and foremost, how do you know if a team is not going to be competitive unless you let them compete? You don't. We don't know what's going to happen. Now, I agree that yeah, it's 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 highly unlikely that a brand new team starting from from day one and from ground zero, a, a brand new team entirely from scratch. No, they're not going to. I think there's a very strong chance they wouldn't be competitive straight away. Like Haas was lucky in the sense of they came around in 2015. They had a very hard challenge when they came in. They had to develop two cars at once because when they debuted in 2015, they had they were a year out from a, from a regulation change. So they were developing two cars at once. That was a challenge, but Haas was genuinely good when they first got to F1. They, were a, they came in as a midfield team straight away. It, it's only in recent years have we now started treating them more as a punching bag because they've been down the bottom of the standings. But... Red Bull are probably the greatest example of this. They bought the remains of Jaguar slash Stewart F1 team in 20 years ago now. And even then, it took Red Bull, what, three, four years to win its first race? And then, what, about five to win its first championship in 2010? You know, and that was with Adrian Newey, Christian Horner, and almost limitless funding from a energy drink supplier that has more money than God. Um, yeah. And not er and not everyone's going to have that level of resource by them. Dan, you, of all, you of all people would know about that. But, um. Yeah, I was going to say, I think I still think it's uh, hilarious that the first Red Bull car to win a race in Formula One wasn't the Red Bull racing team. It was the Toro Rosso team with Vettel. I, I still love that little fact. I think that's hilarious. As a Sebastian yeah. Vettel fan in the room, I have no idea what you're talking about. I, I, don't, I don't know how it could possibly come up, but, uh, you know, only Ferrari win that didn't come from the factory team. Yes. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's you're absolutely right in that, yeah, you don't know what value... I mean, again, I don't know how you measure value. I don't know how you would measure competitiveness because, again, I think Haas caught some strays in from a lot of fans on Twitter arguing that, oh, well, Haas aren't competitive. And I'm like, well, they kind of are. We've had bigger grids with worse teams in Formula 1 than where F1 is right now. If yeah. anything, F1 should be praised 
I think it's the most competitive grid we've ever had in this sport. Haas were last last year, but they still scored 12 points. Like, everybody scored double-digit points. We've had far more lopsided grids in Formula 1 history. So let's ignore Haas as the yardstick to beat them with. I think the argument here is is that Formula 1 and its teams do not want to lose 10% of their revenue by having Andretti come in and have the extra competition potentially beat them and take more of their slice away. It's, it's, it's like walking into a Domino's pizza and you're content with the 10 slice medium, even if the 11 slice large is actually cheaper in the long run. Um, and it doesn't make any sense because if I'm walking into a Domino's, I'm ordering the large. Um, and I think most people would. I mean, look at me. But um, <laughs> the, point I'm, the point I'm getting at here is, is that they want their franchise model. They want to protect their bread. They want to protect their spot on the grid because – Let's be real here. Part of the reason why we're we're doing this podcast is because F1 has had a massive boost in popularity in the last few years. It's enjoying the riches and rewards of that spike. Um, And now I think all the teams know that their place is more valuable than what it was five or six years ago. People say, oh, well, what's Haas bringing to the table? Haas's barrier of entry was a lot lower than it is now. And because the sport is worth so much more. I saw last year Forbes valued Liberty Media's empire at almost 20 billion. There was reports that Bloomberg was saying that the Saudis might be bidding 20 billion for the whole sport. And that's what led to Mohammed Ben Sulayim getting into arguments down the road. So the teams all know this information. They all know that their slice is worth a hell of a lot more than it was five, six, seven years ago. So now they know that and they're already on this wagon. Why would they want to make space for somebody else? There's, if you're a team, and this, this is the one thing I do have a bit of sympathy for, is that if you're a team boss, if you're a Fred Vassar, if you're a Gunther Steiner before he lost his gig, you know, if, if you're a Lauren Mekis who's now at, he's now at Visa Cash App Red Bulls, you're going to want to protect God, even hearing states. that name. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know, it's name. terrible. I, 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 had to, I had to really think before coming out with that name. But you get what my point is. Like The annoying thing is, is that if you are a team boss, you are going to protect your slice of the pie. So I understand why the teams are pushing back against this. But as a fan, it is so frustrating. So frustrating that we're in this position because we're F1. We don't have the luxury of people wanting to enter this ludicrously expensive sport very often. So when it does come around, we need to grab it with both hands because we may not get this chance again. Mm. Yeah, okay. So we're all in agreement this is bollocks then, yeah? Pretty much. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, good. no problem. Good. I think that's probably I think that's probably all we've got to say on that. Anything Anything else anyone leave you to want to add on that one? Just, I, I hope Formula One was being sincere when they said in their rejection that the door is still open for 2028. I think if F1 had soundly rejected them and said there's no chance in your in your current state, then I, I think Michael Andretti will be having some very tough decisions to make back at home. I yeah. think the fact that they've left the door at least slightly open for 2028, which I think is no coincidence, the same year that GM has said their power unit's going to be ready to go. I hope that was a sincere message to say, look, if we know you've got a power unit coming from GM and you're going to be a full-blown factory team, maybe we'll take you in 2028. I hope that holds up. 
and I hope it will be worth the wait. But yeah, with, so... with, with the FOM jumping through so many hoops to make sure this team doesn't get there, <laughs> I have my doubts. I'm going to put my uh, tinfoil hat on, like I said at the start of this podcast. We're becoming a full-blown conspiracy podcast this week. So tinfoil hat on. Uh, I like how they're keeping the entry open for 2028, which is like, what, two years after they have to renegotiate the Concord agreement with all the other teams so they can find a new way to screw Andretti out of joining. Yeah, basically. That's going to be a problem. And that that's the other, that's the more cynical side of my brain saying there's a reason they've kicked this back because, like you said, the Concord agreement expires at the end of this season and that $200 million anti-dilution fee is almost certainly going to go up because I've seen team bosses throw much bigger numbers out there. I remember when I was at WTF1, I had to write a piece on Zach Brown saying, what if that dilution fee was $700 million? Then yeah. maybe it could be worth our while. And I'm thinking, $700 Three and a half times more. Imagine right imagine General Motors having to write a check for seven hundred million dollars. <laughs> yeah, that like, wouldn't that be good? It's like one Shohei Atani. Um <laughs> <laughs> that's one for you baseball fans out there. That's um, the that's the money to build up a very good facility, basically. Massively. Like yeah, like and this is just for you to enter the sport, like your ticket. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Yeah, someone five, in five, the... five, five times the cost cap is is uh, Scrantino puts in the chat quite rightly. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone else uh, in the what... chat is saying uh, Andretti take it to court in the coming months? Question mark. Uh, maybe. So I definitely don't think we've heard the end of this. Uh, in the end of their statement, Andretti said, uh, "Where were we? Sorry. Oh, uh, we are proud of the progress we have already made, and uh, with the experienced team behind it." And our work continues at pace. So I do not believe we have seen anywhere near the end of this. I have uh, my doubts it would hold up in a court, though, because how do you determine value? I don't know. It's a very, it's a very subjective vague. thing. Maybe you know, it's. I think it's vague for a reason because it yeah. wouldn't hold up if somebody actually scrutinised. Because how, how like, if you ask any economist out there, there's going to be 115 different ways you can evaluate how much you think something is worth and why. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think if it ever actually got <clears throat> to a courtroom, I suspect that there wouldn't would it i always argue this case like would it hold up in a court and it this probably wouldn't because f1 will say this is how we think it's value and then the other guys would say well this is how we think it's valuable and a judge would have to determine whether it meets the concord agreement as joe quite rightly puts in the chat so I, I don't I'm not sure how much it would hold up if they tried it uh, and of course uh, of course it's a legal binding agreement so it's if it goes to the courts it's going to take time and money and if you're F1 you can stretch that out as long as you want and need um so good luck to them if they take it to court but I, I'm not convinced that um it would make a huge difference no no well there we go that's what we think about Andretti and I am looking forward to my FOM takedown notice um, because we've just, we've spoken ill against the FOM. Uh, interestingly, the race had a podcast talking about this, and it disappeared after a couple of hours. Tin foil hat conspiracy comes out again. I wonder what uh, happened. I I don't know. 
No one. They don't give. A, they don't give a toss about us. I don't think we're going to get a takedown notice. We should be all right. No one cares about <laughs> well, us. Yeah, absolutely. I'm nah, Greek. Nah, you're done. Maybe Dre, but look, I'm look, never look, getting back just, in the pit lane, just, mate. Just because I used, just because I used to work under that umbrella, doesn't mean I would ever cynically like try to take down an episode of the Racist Podcast Network. Yeah, yeah. Fom. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> they, 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 they were dissing you guys again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just, just strike them down. You know. <clears throat> yeah, listen, and I'll, I'll chat and YouTube. Everyone listening live, mate. If they pay me enough, I'll take it down. I've got no qualms in telling everyone that I'd sell out for the right amount of money. You oh all know God. this by now, right? This is the relationship I've built with a the listener. They know I'm going to sell out, right? I'm just waiting okay. for the uh, check to come through. That, everyone has a enough. price. Yeah, everyone has a price, price you know I'm, I'm a dad with three kids to feed you know I've got bills to pay you know what I mean McDonald's maybe. yeah exactly yeah yeah 700 million yeah that's that's my that's my uh, that's the fee yeah <laughs> and then you can enter the team exactly <laughs> then I'll get and back anti- in the pit lane anti-podcast <laughs> fee that's what it is <laughs> <sighs> yeah someone in the chat says Dan can be bought but he's never cheap I don't know mate um some would say I'm pretty cheap, mate. Some would say I'm pretty cheap. Speaking of cheap, the uh, Haas released their new car a few hours ago for this season, oh the God. VF24. Oh, uh, my God. Did you was... associate cheap with Haas? <laughs> Why would you even I'm an do expert that? podcaster. That's how I get the tie-ins. You like it? Mm, no, no, no. Amazing, uh, amazing work. Thank you, uh, thank you. 10 out of 10, I would recommend, but... It's not cheap. It's just American. <laughs> wow. It's just, it's you not know, cheap. Uh, it's American. What? Oh, my God. We've got a large American audience and they are all unsubscribing oh as we God. speak. That's it. I'm, it's I'm over. I'm Greek. Hate on me. I'm Greek. Hate on me. Dan's, uh, Dre, I believe, Dre, you're British as well. I am indeed. Yeah. But I, judging by the Man United shirt, by the way, I'm a huge fan of Man United. <laughs> Good man, good man. Mm. Yeah, I, I love them. Um, we won a game of football yesterday. We, we've, we've taken a step in the yeah. right direction. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> if you're if you're at the Fozo and the Man United fan, yesterday was amazing. Mm. Oh yeah, uh, good day, but, good day. <laughs> yeah, but honestly, the Haas, I mean, um, I was in the office at Current Driver today and we had our uh, annual meeting at the start of the season. And we were just chatting and then I saw the time and it was, like 3.59, uh, well, for me, it was 4 p.m. when uh, Haas was, um, you know, unveiled. And I was like, oh, yeah, the Haas. And then I put some photos up, I wrote two sentences, up you go. Like, no one gives a, 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 a F. I don't know, can we swear? Yeah, yeah, go for it, go for it. No one gives a fuck, really. Like, <laughs> who cares? I love it I'm sorry. whose non-native sorry. language swear on this podcast. It brings me joy. Sorry. Sorry, what? Sorry? I said I love it when non non-native English speaking people swear on this podcast. It brings me joy. Oh, yeah. Oh, thank you so much. Um it's it's amazing how Haas would be relevant anyway today because the Andretti news would still be buzzing, I believe. Uh so Haas would unveil their card and the comments below would be like, Yeah, you have a seat in F1 and not Andretti, yada yada yada. But now they're even more irrelevant because Hamilton and Ferrari um, stole the show and they will continue to do so for the next couple of days or maybe until the... Oh, mate, all commences. year, I think. 
<laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> the moment Lewis Hamilton wins a race with Mercedes, which is bound to happen this year because that's how F1 script writers work, he's going he's gonna to win a race this year. Everyone's going to be like, why are you leaving? And Ferrari will be like fifth. You know, like yeah, yeah. Aston Martin like level of competitiveness, and I'm like, where are you going? And Sainz would be like, yes, I'm out of here, and it's gonna be amazing. I'm I'm gonna fall in love with this year. Did either of you two watch the live stream of the uh, Haas reveal? There was a live stream. There was, yeah, right. So I watched it. No one told me. Yeah, (laughs) I didn't know about this either. I just received the press release. Yeah, there was a live stream, right, and it was. It, you know, uh, everyone waiting and then it kicked off and it was 15 seconds of this weird looking countdown timer, which made no sense. It was like I was watching um, a Salvador Dali painting counting down. It was so weird. <laughs> and then 15 seconds after it started, it crashed and the stream ended and that was it. And I was like, oh, and then the pictures were released. And I was just like, what was that? Wow. You didn't see anything (laughs) apart from this countdown timer. I don't know if that was supposed to be it. I don't know if it was. That's what it's supposed to be. I don't know. I was so confused. And everyone was just like, what the was that? And I was like, I have no idea. Can I just point out that I think it's da- I think Dan is is very comfortable throwing a stone from his glass house in regards to criticizing other people's technical problems, um, which I think is right. quite funny. Cars don't have a huge budget, right? But I can guarantee you, it's significantly larger than my budget of about twelve p. All right, so I'm expected oh. to have technical issues every now and again. Right. And by my own admission, I'm a fucking idiot. Okay, so fair enough. No, I, I didn't. I did not even know that they had a live stream for this, and it, it sounds like it was it went about as well as you'd expect. Um, unfortunately, that's look. I I have my empathies because I've worked on that technical side of the fence before when it comes to things like live streams and shit. There's a thousand things that can go wrong, and there's not very many ways it can go right. I take it from me. I've been there, um, but. It's weird with Haas because I think I think I mentioned this in my first appearance a couple of weeks ago. They like to get in first with their car reveals. They deliberately like to beat the queue because this is normally like middle of February when we start getting car reveals. Haas openly said second of Feb, um, which was a week earlier than anybody else had had initially planned out. Um, that's on purpose. I know that for a fact. That's their game plan. And then the problem was that McLaren had already revealed what their car livery was going to look like two weeks ago so mclaren beat them to the punch which which didn't help either and then of course the day they're they're, they're going to unveil the car uh two bigger stories drop two massive stories drop before because because i i did it a lot of my time at wtf1 last year you'd be surprised how much the, t- the team launch has taken off in the last few years we're now getting full-blown hour-long shows full-blown presentations this is obviously this is an opportunity for tens of thousands of people watching to plug yourself if you're online i i I, my my second wtf1 live stream was sat in this very chair going through like an hour of red bulls reveal for their rb19 god i remember that (laughs) you remember this right there was a bunch of celebrities there was technical problems of the sound daniel ricardo got a 10 minute interview how many times does a third driver get a 10 minute one-on-one interview in a car there were ski (laughs) athletes i think 
athletes, other Red Bull sponsors. And then eventually, with 10 minutes to go, it's like, oh, here's the car. And oh, by the way, we got Ford coming in 2026. Isn't that cool? Bye, everybody. Um, yeah. So it, the car launch has become like a much bigger thing. Like it's, it's, like, it's, like, it's like it's had a renaissance. Because uh, I remember in the 90s, they were big deals. I remember when Jamiroquai was there to launch the McLaren back in like 98 or whenever it was. I'm biased. I'm a huge Jamiroquai fan. But um, it's, it's had a renaissance in recent years. And then Hash just, oh, here's some pictures. <laughs> here's the car. <laughs> That's it. And then the livery is pretty much exactly the same as last year, outside of the nose being being black rather than white. Was you it? Know, it's, it's, it, which year is it in the McLaren launch where didn't they have like Lewis Hamilton flying on a on a guide wire or something was that was that Lewis Hamilton that came in on like a oh I'll have to someone, in the, someone in the YouTube comments will tell me but I swear there was like a YouTube reveal where Lewis Hamilton just floated into the room on like these set of wires or something it was yeah. I, I distinctively remember one year when the Spice Girls helped launch a McLaren F1 car I think it was like 98 99 something 98. like that um yeah. and and yeah like these things used to be a massive deal like i said i remember like i said I, i'm a huge jamiroquai fan motorsport 101's very early intros was literally jk's f1 theme from itv back in like 98 um so i know, I know that vibe it's, it's come back but yeah the chat saying 2008 apparently was that year where hamilton the, the second year of lewis where he'd, he'd zip wired in from the crowd. Yes, that was it, yeah. yeah. Oh, dear. <laughs> there you go. Dear. Anyway, oh. that's what we think about that. We're going to go for a quick message from our sponsors, and then we are going to talk about that those two minor little news stories that happened, and uh, you've waited eagerly to, to hear us talk about it, so we'll give it to you after this. Yes, it's that time again for a word from our sponsors, NordVPN. You know them by now. It's a product that me and Blake have used long before this podcast was even a thing. And we are very thankful for their ongoing support to the podcast and for you listeners. If you're tired of being geo-blocked on Netflix and uh, things like that, then you need yourself NordVPN and you can get yourself an exclusive discount off your plan and four months for free all you got to do is go to nordvpn.com slash engine it's completely risk-free with nord's 30-day money-back guarantee so what are you doing come on they've been with us for nearly a year now if you haven't got it by now what are you waiting for so that's nordvpn.com slash engine thank you thank you i need to update that ad read as well that's like a bloody year old but it's all still relevant the info in it it's just i think the dear listeners probably fed up with me doing the same message now for the last year so i'll update that as well another thing to add to my list of things to do's anyway gentlemen a minor little uh thing broke out yesterday and uh i have info on that Oh, you have info come on then you give us the info so this is obviously yeah. the story and unless you've been living under a rock Lewis Hamilton is going to Ferrari in 2025. So what can you tell us about that? Okay, so I got some intel um, from uh, the past, I I want to say 36 hours. So basically the Italian uh, press broke it. Obviously they they had the scoop because it's an Italian team. Uh, We will not, like no other nation has the access uh, to Ferrari as the Italians do, not even the British press. And they have amazing journalists, amazing publications. Ferrari leaks, tells, I don't know how you want to call it stuff, 
to the Italian press and only to the Italian press. So the moment you see that, like it was 2 a.m. here in Greece, I believe it was like close to midnight for, for, for Britain. And the, 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 the very first thing I did was contact some people in Italy. They responded to me in the morning and stuff. So what I've learned is that this whole thing has been going on for the past 12 months. Lewis, wow. of course, was out of a contract uh, for 2023. So basically, end, end of 2023, uh, his contract with Mercedes would, um, would expire. Um, and that's when, you know, uh, Lewis being Lewis and having this huge negotiation power with anyone and anything he wants, started saying, you know what, I'm going to explore the market. The only thing that he wanted to explore other than Mercedes, which of course was his priority because he first went to Mercedes and said, you know what, let's talk about the new contract. The only other team he ever wanted to shop basically was Ferrari. Um, what? (laughs) Just said, Ooh, spicy. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, Basically, and from what I've learned from various sources over the past few hours and during the 2023 season, in a form of speculation, I could not like, uh, you know, do a proper um, research and find something credible in order to construct a piece. But now it's all kind of, you know, the puzzle kind of gets completely completed. Is the fact that Lewis visited Maranello at the start of last year's summer, uh, if you remember, he signed the new contract with Mercedes, I believe it was August. Yeah, it's so, weekend, ironically. So, <laughs> so um, he talked with uh, Ferrari uh, uh, via uh, John Elkan. John Elkan and Lewis Hamilton shared a friendship for the past two years. They are both... Um, bon vivers, so to speak. They share common friends, they share common parties. And these people all talk to each other. Like I know the tribalism and stuff is is ripe in F1 and, you know, but you should know that all these megastars and all these presidents and CEOs and stuff, they're all at least in a conversational level. So basically they end up meeting in parties and meeting up in uh, like galas and stuff. Luis and John, uh, John Alcan, the Ferrari president for anyone who is like, who's John Alcan? that very tall dude with the wacky sweaters. So basically he was like, okay, Luis, come on, you know, you know, you know, you want it, right? Fred is there. And then, then it's the moment that John Alcan is like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna use Fred Vasser. So basically Fred Vasser and Luis Hamilton have such a history. Many people don't know this, but if it wasn't for Fred Vasser, Luis Hamilton would not be an F1 driver. McLaren and Mercedes really, really loved him, trusted him. Ron Dennis thought that he was the next champion for McLaren after Mika Hakkinen. He actually was. But in 2003, Lewis Hamilton was just a dude racing cars. He, he, he wasn't in the place that he had to be to become a champion. You know, he didn't have the funding, as we all know, because he came up from a family that didn't have the resources to support him as uh, other drivers had or you know, uh, some of his competitors in the, at the time. But Fred Vasser really believed in him and he said, you know what, let's get him to ART, his team. Let's get him on the junior, junior single-seater categories and then GP2 championship in 2006, of course. Lewis loves 
Ferdlaser. He's a father figure for him. He's one of the few people that really believed in him, a young black kid, no real results, just pure talent. So Donald Khan is like, I know you visited Maranello when Sergio Marchione was president. I know you visited Maranello uh, in 2018. Oh, uh, the light popped up on my MacBook. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, the so the like, MacBook is very invested in this story. Yeah. So why don't you join? Obviously, Lewis didn't uh, leave Mercedes hanging. He did negotiate with them and he wanted to believe in the Mercedes project. So basically, he was like, you know what? Mercedes is my home for the past 10 plus seasons. I've been driving for Mercedes engines for all my F1 career. I want to believe in Toto Wolf. I want to believe James Allison. James Allison is back. So Lewis signs the contract with Mercedes. He visited Maranello. He had some talks. They were good talks, but they were just explanatory. Exploratory, excuse me. Mm. As the year progresses, Lewis says that the Mercedes car is pretty shit. Like, it's not, it's not Lewis Hamilton car. It's not a car that he's kind of magnitude. Whatever you believe of Lewis, like I know there are Lewis haters, I know there are people who doubt him. You cannot underestimate a driver who has got like seven titles, 103 wins. He deserves a championship winning car. Whatever he does with that, we'll, we have to find out, but against Red Bull or Max, but he deserves to have one. Mercedes doesn't give him that in 2023. So he signs the contract with the belief, with the hope that 2024 is going to be better because he signed up for 2024 and 2025, but he was smart enough to put that one plus one option. So basically I'm going to be here for the ride in 2024 because I don't want to pull a Rosberg on you and say, you know what, I'm, go I'm not going to stay. I'm going to commit my 39th year of my life in Mercedes. That's the gift to Toto Wolf. That's the, basically, Lewis is like, I want to give that uh, option for Mercedes to do good. Uh, I'm not sure what he saw in the past few weeks. Because basically, when Charles um, signed the contract, he knew that Lewis was coming. That's for sure. That's, that's something I for sure can tell you right now. So Lewis and Ferrari was a thing for at least the past two weeks. A done deal, so to speak. So I don't know if Lewis visited the simulator, saw the work that the team is doing for 2024, and said, you know what, I'm 39 years old. I don't want to spend my 40th year in this world driving one more for sure bad car. I don't think that Mercedes has that it, uh, in this regulation phase. If Lewis was 35, I don't believe he'll leave. Because basically he can say, you know what, I'm going to be 37 by 2026, so to speak. Yeah. And I can wait. He can't wait anymore. So he was like, okay, Ferrari has Loic Serra. Uh, Loic Serra, who came from Mercedes. Lots of RB mechanics as an exchange for Roller Mekes. Lots of Mercedes mechanics who just want a new challenge because Mercedes is not winning anymore. A lot, a lot of people who were not um, used in a good way inside the organization have been promoted by Fred Vasser. And uh, Fred Vasser as a person exudes 
a ton of confidence in Maranello and is, as I previously said, and I know a lot of people know this, a close, close person to Lewis Hamilton's heart. All this combined spoke into Hamilton and he was like, you know what, Mercedes is my home, but I'm a competitor, I'm a champion, I'm still productive, I'm not ready to retire yet. I want to have one last contract in a good, or at least a better car. Because basically we don't know how Ferrari is going to be in 2025 or in the new regulations, but they seem that like they're building something. And Fred for sure said to him, you know what, if you come, the Schumacher effect will kick in. Lots of engineers will be like, yeah, we want to work for Ferrari right now. Because basically the best driver of his generation, and maybe the best driver in the, ever, statistically for sure he is, races for Ferrari. Ferrari has the money, Ferrari has the resources. A lot of engineers will be like, yeah, we want to work for, for Ferrari right now. So all these packets combined and the year of preparation, so to speak, from, from Ferrari's side, since Elkan said to Vasser, lobby for Hamilton, lobby with him because you talk with him. All of this culminated to yesterday's news. It's no shock if you see it macroscopically. Like if you, if you analyze its sector and its part of it, it's not a shock because it's not like Lewis didn't ever visit Maranello. He visited Maranello back in 2018. He was this close, this close. But then um, Toto and Nikki were like, please stay. Like we, we're here for the long run. But he, he was this close. Now there's no Nicky Lauda, so to speak. There is only the disappointment, the years of non-competitiveness, a George Russell figure who is very competitive and he needs to feel like he's leading and Lewis knows it because he's been there. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's what I can tell you. That's what I've learned. I'm sure my Italian colleagues will have much more things to say, uh, but... Mm. Honestly, this is the whole story as far as I uh, have learned. And this is how, in my opinion, the puzzle cons is constructed in terms of this, uh, of this move. Good night, everybody. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I, I had no idea. That's certainly uh, much more than I ever knew. So I'm... <clears throat> oh, sorry, excuse me. Yeah, like, I, I agree with you in, like, looking at it from the point of view in that this is probably Lewis's last contract, right? Why? Why would you not risk? There's no a calculated risk, let's say, and go, hey, let's let's put the red overalls on because there is this thing, right? I know people from the outside might not understand it, but when you work in Formula One, like I did and me and Blake did, the amount of people we spoke to and even us included said to us, we wouldn't go to another team, but if Ferrari came knocking, we'd consider it because there is that aura of history and and pedigree around it. I know it sounds like nonsense and it, it's one of the things that I think that unless you've been in the pit lane or whatever and you see, everyone looks at the garage with all the red suits on and they think, I bet I'd look good in red. It's one of those things, it's weird and I don't know how to compare it with something else but yeah, it's one of those things. I don't blame him. I don't blame him at all. I mean, I personally, I love Ferrari. I, they were the first car brand that, that I fell in love with growing up. 
Um, my first poster on the wall was a Ferrari 550 Maranello. The first Formula One car I ever saw was the, the 2000 Ferrari, and the first driver I ever truly adored was Michael Schumacher. And that, um, and that that was me when I first became a fan. And there is there is an aura, there is a prestige around Ferrari. They are a special brand, and every big name player that F1 has had. Almost every big F1 player we've had in the last, I would say, 30 years has either flirted with Ferrari or driven for them at some point in their careers. Like Adam Prost did, Nigel Mansell did, obviously Schumacher, Massa, Raikkonen, Sebastian Vettel, uh, you know, Charles Leclerc is now their new wonder kid. Um, you know, and even beforehand, you could look at guys like Ayrton Senna, who Luca de Montezemolo famously once said Senna was promised he'd drive for Ferrari one day in his career. Sadly, we never his, his career never got to that point for tragic reasons. But it is a special team that everybody wants to win for at a certain point. There is something special about that Tafosi and and in the Italian atmosphere that's there. You, the passion, the the vibe of it is 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 a, is wonderful. Like we, it, it's what this sport's all about. Um, and yeah, there will always be a a, a, a lust and an, an appeal to drive for them and win for them at a certain point. Um, so yeah, look, I I, I think Dimmy's theory was was wonderful, and the story he came out with behind how this all came down. It actually feel it makes a lot of sense with some of the little drips and drab stories that we saw about this in the last year that we didn't take too seriously. Um, for example, when last year, when the rumours came up with the Daily Mail, that the, the came up with the rumours that Hamilton might go to Ferrari, it was quickly shut down. Now we know that there was clearly some dialogue there at the, at the very least. Yeah, there was, there was, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, ab- Abu Dhabi. What was the big story going into Abu Dhabi? It wasn't the Grand Prix itself because the season was already over. It was, oh, Hamilton's been talking to people because Christian Horner leaked that story. Everybody said Christian Horner was full of shit and and shit stirring, but turns out he was probably telling the truth now we know about this. Maybe it wasn't necessarily Red Bull and maybe it wasn't serious. Mm. Yeah, Um, this is... This is one of those things, right, where me and Blake, I think we've spoken about this before, that everyone's agent talks to everyone. It's just what they do. Right. Even if you've not got no interest in going to that team, you can still use it as a bargaining chip for the team you're in. You can say, oh, well, look, Red Bull are interested in me at this rate or for this many years. You know, you've got no intention of going there, but you just want to use that as leverage on the other team. It's everyone talks to everyone. So I'm not inclined to believe Christian. Yeah. If, if yeah, if, if if you're an agent and you sign a new contract, you get 15%. That's how this works. And if you're an agent, it's in your best interest for your client and for yourself to stir the pot because again, it helps you on the negotiating table. I think you're absolutely right um down on that one and yeah, okay. It's very I I I said it on Twitter at the time and I said it again last night. Christian Horner was never going to win the benefit of the doubt from people in the court of public opinion on social media, given Red Bull in the last couple of years. But I never had him down as a liar because what would he gain from lying about not signing Lewis Hamilton? Because like Horner's made it abundantly clear in the last two or three years, he does not want and he doesn't need Lewis. He's got the ideal setup for his team already. He's got Max and he's got a solid second hitter in Sergio Perez. He doesn't need Lewis to go into to, to go into that team. 
they're already fine the way they are. If they get more competition, then it could get a bit more interesting because Perez could be a weakness. But they don't need Lewis right now. They're given how dominant the car is and how good they've been in the last <laughs> 24 months. But I, I think my my own personal theory before before Demetrius filled in the gaps wonderfully, my own theory was because I remember that weekend he signed that new contract at, at Monza. It was you know, last week in August he signed that deal. And he, he said everything you'd expect an, a top athlete and sportsman to say um, when they sign the new contract, quote, our story isn't finished. You know, we still want to win. We want to come back and be a success again. He said all the right things. And there was it's why no one ever really thought this was ever going to happen because you take Hamilton's word at face value when he comes out with those kinds of statements. But, you know, I think that end of the season stretch in 2023 was horrible for him. He had a genuine chance at second in the Drivers' Championship in the back end of 2023, and his season kind of fell apart. He crashed in Qatar, arguably probably his fault in that Qatar incident with George Russell. He only held his hands up and apologized. He reckoned he, he, he saw the replays and he took responsibility. He was disqualified in Austin in a car that could have won that day, but it turns out the car was illegal anyway, so it didn't matter. But that was the closest Mercedes came to a win in 2023. That was a good weekend on paper that the team's error took away at least 18 points um, as a direct result of what had happened that day. Yeah, Mexico was second, but at the end of the year, you know, he, he was slow in Brazil, which is his second home round. Um, he loves Brazil. We all know the Brazilian audience loves him. He was nowhere in that race. He was he, he had a tangle with Oscar Piastri in Vegas and finished seventh. And I think he was ninth in Abu Dhabi and was nowhere that weekend. Um, George Russell got on the podium that race weekend and Hamilton was nowhere. Um, the end of Hamilton's season, he had a genuine fight for second and he ended up 50 points behind Checo. His season fell apart. And I wonder, in between, and I don't know how much you can fit on in this, Demetrius, but it seemed like you signed the contract. Something clearly changed in that three or four months between the time he signed that deal and the way he was feeling now where he's got to feel like he's got to activate a release clause to get out of his current contract. I suspect if he, if he lost confidence in Mercedes, it was somewhere down in that last five or six races of last season. Well, That's my so, theory. so basically, I cannot, I, ca I cannot tell you if this is true or not because I simply do not do not know. Um, I would, I would tend to like believe that uh, your theory is very plausible, and, may and maybe this is what happened. But, but for me, the like the the turning point for all of this, and this is what I get from like the people I talk to and stuff, is the fact that this visit in early summer in uh, in Maranello, his own visit, like in secret. In total secrecy, because I don't know if you've ever been to Maranello or Modena or the Fiorano track. Uh, Never. Uh, it's, <laughs> I, first of all, it's an amazing experience because Northern Italy is beautiful. Um, second, uh, it's, it's, it's a village. So basically, if people learn that some big name is coming, they're going to go up on the fences and be like, well, Luigi, uh, photograph or whatever. Mm. Um, uh, and, and you know, he 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 did it in all secrecy because he wanted to meet with Fred and uh, and uh, John Elkan face to face. And we have to think about John Elkan as the as the as the Agnelli of the of the situation. I don't know if 
maybe the audience is not familiar with you, with who Agnelli was, the patriarch of the Fiat Empire and uh, the one that constructed the deal to help Ferrari out in the automotive business, but let him do whatever he wanted in the motorsport business. Um, you know, Gianni Agnelli was a cunning, charismatic person. And John Elkan was his protege. So basically, John Elkan has that kind of mentality in the 21st century, of course, like he, he doesn't run things like it's the 1960s, but he's that kind of person that's very hands-on, not micromanaging, but usually being like, okay, if I order you to do this, you do this. We don't talk about it. So if he said to Fred Vasser, you know what, we have to go after Lewis. And if he said to Lewis, you know what, come, you know, it, 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 it would be nice if you came to Ferrari. You know, we know you want it. Um, I'm sure this was like the, you know, he, he had it in mind. He said, you know what, no, I'm going to believe in Mercedes, but I'm going to keep that kind of window open with a close. So maybe when he saw that the car was not bad, was not getting better, when he maybe saw that the new car was not really better either. Having heard that Toto Wolf uh, said that, you know what, if we don't give him a good enough car, he's going to leave and he will be right to do so. I think Lewis knew that Toto would say that. I think Toto has said it to himself as well, like to, to Lewis's face. So basically Hamilton knows that he had all the cards on his table. Mercedes eagerly wanted him, he wanted him to stay. Uh, and I'm going to go on record and say that Mercedes needs Hamilton more than Hamilton needs Mercedes at this point, because Mercedes needs that continuity and that kind of talent to progress while Hamilton doesn't, doesn't need a non-progressing, non-competitive team anymore. He's not young. He's not young by any means. He might look the part, he might feel the part, but he's not young in F1 age. He's close to his, um, his, at the end of his career. He's three or four years away from it. And that's not a lot of time. Uh, so that's why I believe that maybe, yeah, around the, around the Qatar, uh, Austin, um, like period that Dre mentioned. Yeah. I think he, he, he's right to think that I'm, I cannot, you know, say, yeah, that's what, that's what happened, but because I haven't been told that, but at the same time, you know, I want to, I want to just say that I'm, yeah, I want to say, uh, you know, because, uh, be, 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 you know, I'm Greek, so we're very close to the Italian like mentality, you know, Mediterraneans really, really look alike sometimes. <laughs> the, you are charmed. You're genuinely charmed. Like what Dan said, you envision yourself in that red shoot. You are charmed. There's no way for us to think, pragmatically speaking, Ferrari is like the third best team. They're reconstructing all that stuff. You would, you would like to be seen in that blue, uh, yellow, red shirt of Red Bull if you were a, like a realist and you were like, yeah, I have to go there because that's where I'm going to be a champion. But that's Scarlett Ferrari, as uh, the late, great Mary Walker, uh, Mary Walker said. It's so, it, it, it attracts you. It, I, was, uh, I was in Monza in 2019. You cannot, you cannot uh, explain it in words. It, cap, it, it, it captivates you. If you're Lewis Hamilton, you grew up with Senna, you are passionate about F1, you grew up uh, playing as Kimi Raikkonen in the F1 games, as he, as he said. You've, you've raced for McLaren, which is another iconic outfit. You want that. So it's like, 
I don't know, he saw the opportunity and he took it. And I'm, I'm very happy that he did. A, because we're going to be seeing uh, the Schumacher of our era working for the team that Schumacher made uh, or, or had all of his great success, basically most of his great success. B, because that pairing can be the saving grace of F1 in 2025 if Max continues to uh, be the ultimate um, champion like no one could, uh, if anyone, if no one can defeat him. Because I imagine that 2025 will be eagerly anticipated by everyone now. We kind of want to skip 2024, I believe. <laughs> because yeah. you want to see how Lewis will do with Ferrari. And Ferrari will be like, all eyes on them, even if they are 10th. All eyes will be on them. Whatever Max does, whatever the champion of 2025 does, if it's not Lewis Hamilton and Ferrari, they're going to get less spotlight than them. And that's amazing for F1, not because we want the champion to not get the spotlight, but because F1 needs that kind of pairing, that kind of story to drag itself in, out, excuse me, from that racing stagnant point. Uh, so I, that's how I see it. And that's how I you know, perceive it. That's my opinion, basically. I think it's great for the sport, no matter which way you slice it. Yeah. Lewis Hamilton, it's, I think it's the biggest driver transfer of the social media era of Formula One. We've, we've, this is an earth-shattering move. Um, you know, I, I know Ferrari's share price went up by a good few billion. I think a lot of that was more down to their financial results, but it doesn't hurt when you get to say, hey, we're guaranteed Lewis Hamilton next year. Um, and yeah, it, it kind of makes me feel like, well, what are we doing racing these cars this year when we all know the excitement is going to come through 2024 because there's now so many different branches we can take from this. Not only Hamilton going to Ferrari, it's that how's his final year going to go at Mercedes, um, where it's, it's almost like a retirement year, even though it's not really a retirement. It's kind of strange. We all know that Carlos Sainz has been sacrificed for, for all his sins um, to, to, to facilitate this move. Um, poor, poor guy. Um, it's, 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 it's he released a statement. That was very cute. Like, why um, would you release a statement? We know you're out. Like, come yeah, on. yeah, it's like, I, it's, it's like you, 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 you announced Charles Leclerc getting a new contract less than a week ago, and now it's like, <laughs> oh, I wonder which seat he's taking. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I so do feel sorry for Carlos, though, right? Because I, I don't think he's a bad driver at all. I think, you know, like. <laughs> It's Lewis Hamilton, right? Sorry, Carlos. Like you got to admit that you're probably going to get booted out for Lewis. I get that, but any other team, like I think, would be very happy with Carlos. You know, um, and I think the big question now is sort of what happens with him next. Sauber. I see. I, I put this down. I said he's going to sit at Sauber waiting for the Audi takeover. Oh no, he's I, definitely doing. I that. I agree. I think I think that's. I don't want to state the obvious. But it's the obvious, really, isn't it? It's like I, Mercedes could take him. I mean, he would most likely be the best driver on the board going into free agency for next season. The way it stands right now, I don't think there's a better driver that's going to be openly available. Charles has signed a big new contract. Lando Norris has signed a big new contract. Oscar Piastri um, is now tied down till 2026. Um, so 
the only real other seat that could even be available might be Red Bull if they don't extend Sergio Perez at the end of this season coming up. Well, funny you um, say that because since we've been on air, apparently Peter Windsor has said that Alex Alvin has been offered a three-year contract at Red Bull for next year. Alex, do you, do you want Randy that smoke Buck. again? Buck. I mean, I think <laughs> Alex is in a, again? <laughs> Alex is in a much better position now. I think in terms of maturity and headspace and experience, I think I understand why Red Bull put him in the car, but I think it it was like a such a gamble that he would be able to sort of uh, bring himself up to speed that quickly. You know what I mean? So I don't I, know. I don't I, know how I true that is. I, I I'm inclined I to think that it's not true because I think I agree. I, res- I don't think it's true either. I think it's very. I think it's quite respectable between Alex and Red Bull, and I think they've been respectable to each other in saying that we're not really interested in working together again. Not sort of. You know, they're not. They're not mean about it. I think they've both been quite honest with each other and said we're not doing this ever again. You know, good luck to you, sort of thing. If, if if Albon had any value, they wouldn't have loaned him back to Williams in the first place. And that's no, that's, that's no disrespect to Albon, who's done a fantastic job in that Williams setup and become their team leader and really dragged them up the board almost single-handedly the last two or three seasons. But you've done this once before. You know how fast Alex Albon is as a driver. He's a known quantity in your ranks. He was your reserve driver when you won the title in 2021, the moment you dropped him. So you know how fast Albon is. You know what he is as a driver. as Now, I don't know if he's magically gotten better at Williams in the two years he's been down there. It'll be three by the time he comes back. But I feel like he's too much of a known quantity. If Red Bull really wanted him back, they would never have let him go in the first place. That's how I look at it. So I I struggle to believe that source on this one. I think I, I, I don't know what they'll do with, with Checo. I think that's a discussion for another day, but I, what I find most intriguing about this situation beyond the obvious of Hamilton going to Ferrari, Oh my God, is what does Mercedes do next? because they're going to have an yep. open seat for 2025 and they I think they've got multiple options they could there's multiple ways they could go down this road with if they're so inclined I mean Dan what's your gut telling you about about Mercedes on that one I don't think Mercedes are in a rush to fill that second seat I think they've got the luxury of time with having all this done so early they have now got a few months to assess uh who is it Kimmy um and is it Kimmy Antonelli yeah. sorry I've, I forget Kimi Antonelli. Yeah, yeah, Kimi Antonelli, yeah. Yeah, I think they've yeah. got time to watch him and sort of think maybe or if he has a bit of a stinker they can go yeah okay let's look for someone else sort of thing um but I don't think they need to rush into it I think they've got time and they've also like you said I think earlier they got the benefit that there's still quite a few drivers out there that's contracts run out at the end of this year I think as big as a loss as Hamilton is, I think Mercedes has also gained massively in the fact that this isn't like another Nico situation where they've got like four weeks to find yeah. a driver. They've exactly. got an entire season. They've got time. They've got time. They've got time and they will use it. I think they will assess Kimi Antonelli, I believe. Like he, Toto Wolf said it so, uh, said so as well. Like uh, all options are open, but he, I think, the most important thing out of today's uh, press conference, so to speak, that he gave to certain media was basically that uh, Russell is going to be our number one guy. We're looking for a second driver. 
So whoever comes at, at Mercedes will for sure know that they're not going to compete with Russell. They're going to be the clear number two because Russell was always going to be the number one when Lewis left. Lewis lives now. He was supposed to leave maybe at the end of 2025. He lives a year early. Uh, so basically, uh, he he said that, you know what, whoever comes, we're looking for a second driver. And he compared him with Lando, with Charles. Like he said that all of these drivers, you know, they're under contract. Even though he said that we were beat by the timing, I don't know if he hoped that he could snatch Lando. I don't know. But yeah, I think that uh, Mercedes has the time to decide and I hope they take a decision that will actually help um, help wh- whoever they pick. Because Russell is there for sure. He's their guy. He's their new Hamilton in terms of belief and, you know, we want him for the long run. Um, they hope he's their new Hamilton in terms of success as well, but we have to see about that. So basically, if they pick, for example, Albon, I hope they don't like use him as a pawn for, for Russell. So maybe in that aspect, it's better to get someone like Kimi Antonelli, who will be 18 years old. Basically, you can mold him in whatever the, you like. You can tell him, you know what? Wait five years. You'll be 23. Max came in um, and he was 17. And by his 25th year in this world, he was a champion. So wait it out. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, I think I'm not sure if Mercedes have got the minerals to be as bold as to stick Kimi straight into the Mercedes, right? I Now we've talked about this and I've had time to stew on it for a few minutes. I'm more inclined to think that they put Albon in the Mercedes and then put Kimi in Albon's seat or try to get him into Albon's seat. That could yeah. work. Um, the way I see it, and this is, this is I, I'm, I'm actually of the opposite opinion and I'll tell you why in a minute. I I think why are we having a placeholder? Signing Alex Albon to fill in the blanks for a year or two doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I think if Kimi Antonelli, who has a glistening junior racing record, who's arguably the most talented, gifted prospect that we've seen on the junior ladder, maybe ever, if he's a top three driver in Formula 2, and he's going to be with Prima this year, which is why I nicknamed them Title Town for a reason, because Prima drivers tend to win in F2 a lot. And don't get me wrong, it's going to be tough. He's got Oli Behrman in the other seat, and Oli Behrman is probably going in as favourite this this season. And I think Oli Behrman will end up at Haas anyway, because Ferrari are penciling him in Haas under the radar announced that he's doing six FP1s next this this upcoming season. So that says to me, Behrman's taking a seat in 2025 at Haas one way or another. But if Antonelli is anywhere near Oli Behrman or even beats him, why are we wasting our time with, with a placeholder? If Antonelli's young enough, he's good enough. And I'll tell you why this why I feel this way about it. Mercedes had a chance to bring in another very talented youngster back in 2015 when there was a fight to get the signature of a certain young driver who had just come out of karting and was a very solid European Formula 3 driver. He ended up joining the Red Bull Driver Academy because Red Bull could offer him an immediate race seat and Mercedes couldn't. That young driver was Max Verstappen. I, uh, I, was... I, 
I, I don't I don't think Mercedes will want to let another stupidly talented teenager slip through their fingers again because I have a feeling if Antonetti is good and Mercs don't promote him, I think somebody else would. And that might be the issue that they've got. Yeah, there was also another concerted effort from Mercedes to take Max again in 2016. And I know that's the reason why he got promoted into Red Bull to keep him on the Red Bull program. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, that, that makes a lot of sense because there was no good reason to demote Daniil Kvyat when he did. Like he was like, yeah, the, the Russia crash, the infamous one with Sebastian Vettel was like the perfect alibi. It was like, ah, he's had a huge wreck. Let's demote him now. So it makes it look a little bit more plausible. But we all knew that Kvyat's results were solid at Red Bull. It's almost um, too perfect of an alibi. there's also this thing as well I've been out of it for two years now so I can't say this with certainty but the Red Bull driver contracts they aren't done with Alpha Tower in Red Bull Racing they're done with Red Bull Motorsport so they've got the option to flip them between mid-season as they they want Um, but somebody in the chat John T funnily enough he, he just wrote this as I was looking into this off my second screen Esteban Ocon Solid name. He is out of contract so. at the end of this year. And is he not still chummy with the Mercedes and Toto Wolf? He's I not part. Toto, yeah. I think Toto still manages him indirectly. Yeah, I, I mm. think I think he still is a mentor figure for Esteban in his career. He was a part of the Mercedes Academy um, as a younger driver, but there is ties there. Ocon, I think, is a very solid driver. I think he's one of the best that's never really had a sniff of a top tier seat um he was trading punches with fernando alonso in their two years together at alpine i think ocon could come in and do a job um but it always it it always just strikes me as that ocon's never front of the queue he's like this generation's nico hulkenberg because i've seen like retrospective stories of people like ross oh, ocon's run but- a, won a race though mate I know. Snow. <laughs> and, and I feel bad for Hulkenberg because I've always liked Hulkenberg and I think he's a very solid driver. But I distinctively remember Ross Braun saying in an interview one time that if Hamilton had stayed at McLaren in 2012 and didn't join Mercedes, Hulkenberg was second on the list of guys they wanted to bring in. Could you imagine how different F1 history would look if Mercedes in 2013 had a team of Rosberg and Hulkenberg instead of, <laughs> instead of Hamilton? That would, that, would, that would have been very, very quirky. And we're not talking about Hulkenberg having zero career podiums anymore. Um, everybody, in the think- chat, everybody in the chat is saying that Ocon is not the person you bring to your team for peace and harmony. <laughs> also also someone said George said that he's the love of me like I love I love Ocon uh because yeah. he knows me is no. there any oh, truth okay. any truth to this statement it's it's a uh, slash s uh, oh, okay okay yeah yeah I have your people call my people yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know about Ocon like Ocon's one of those people <laughs> This is so harsh, and I mean it with love. If you're a long-time listener, you know I'm quite a sarcastic git. But Ocon is one of those people that I always forget is in a race. Yeah, me too. <laughs> he like, he'll appear on the screen, and I'm just like, oh, yeah, I keep forgetting Ocon's a driver. I have that with Hulkenberg, Ocon, basically every, every tall driver for some reason. <laughs> 
because he drives for such a middle of the nowhere team, because Alpine were like the locked in number six team for most of this season. The top, like Red Bull were, were dominant last year. Second through fifth was a bar fight between Ferrari, Mercedes, Aston and McLaren. And Alpine was in no man's land. They were in the middle of nowhere. They were clearly better than the bottom four, but they were nowhere near as good as the top five. So they were just like nowhere. They were just in no man's land. They'd occasionally, because they, they had two podiums last year and a sprint podium as well with Gasly and Ocon and, and Gasly split a podium each one in Monaco. And I think Gasly got on the podium in Zandvoort, I think, if memory serves. Um, but they're just sort of there because they're just like lower end of the points every week because they're the sixth best team. And I think that's part of the problem. It's hard for Ocon to impress when he's got a pretty good teammate next to him, Pierre Gasly. And then if a big seat does become available, Ocon's never going to be the first man on the list, is he? You're going to, especially now, because if you look at this, if you look at the tea leaves now, are you taking Ocon over Carlos Sainz? You're probably no. not. No. If you're Mercedes, what, if I'm Mercedes, yeah. I mean, you, you, I don't know. I'm total, I'm total wolf. I run the team and I run the driver. So, you know, yeah, Zach Brown wants to talk day, about all these conflicts of interest between Red Bull and Alpha Tauri. Can we uh, start some conspiracies about conflicts of interest between uh, the drivers, manager, owning and running the team? <laughs> I, I love Sean's comment yeah. in the chat. It says Ocon is like a Bulbasaur. People like him, but nobody chose him as they as their starter. Today. <laughs> You're so right, Sean. You're so right. Yeah, like, that's exactly it. Yeah. As a man with a Charizard pendant round his neck, <laughs> this is literally. For those who can't see, it's the Charizard Pokemon card, the original base set. Oh my take god! It from, take it from me. You're absolutely right, Sean. That's exactly how it is. <laughs> there you go. We lasted, I think, about an hour and twenty minutes before we descended this podcast into chaos. Into and, Pokemon. And all we had to do was just start slandering Esteban Ocon. Oh, easy. That, that's your fault. I was trying to prop him up. This was your doing, Dan. <laughs> I told you, long-time listeners of the show will know I'm just still bitter about uh, Brazil 2018. Or whenever it was when uh, he tried to oh. unlap himself from with Max. Oh, and we, we had fisticuffs. We, we had, had a fracas. Was it 19, was it? Oh, I'm so traumatized by it. I can't even remember what year it was. Yeah, Rory in the Honestly, chat said, yeah. remember Ocon was a Merck sleeper agent in Brazil 2018. Yes, I do remember this. Yeah. <laughs> and Max was, a, Max was about to throw hands. Yeah. Um, but, yeah that, 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 that was a fun time. Hey, Dan, someone says it's Max's fault. Look, for what it's worth, I think Ocon would do a fine job in a Mercedes seat right now, but he's just he's just not the sexy pick. That's the problem. He's he's not he's not going to be number one on the list. Mercedes isn't a sexy team though, and I can't believe we're this now. I can't believe we're going down this road. But the only thing that gave Mercedes any sort of cred or anything like that was Lewis Hamilton. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. How many hats do you think they're going to sell now that Lewis isn't in the team or won't be in the team from twenty twenty five? You'll still see a bunch of them this year at Silverstone. Silverstone 2025 is going to be a sea of red, mate. Yeah. No one's, going to be, no one's going to be wearing any clapped Mercedes gear. You you can't see it, but there's like seven Lewis Hamilton caps in that corner of my wardrobe right there because the multicolored ones and the flat brims used to come in. I used to love them. I used to collect them because uh, they, <laughs> they, they were cool. Like, they, they, 
Hamilton's value to that team is unrecognizable. And I've always said this, like Hamilton was kind of boring when he was at McLaren. He was obviously incredible as a driver. No one's disputing that, but he wasn't cool. Like, like McLaren is just like, it's not the McLaren we have now. Ron Dennis's McLaren was kind of stuck up and corporate and, you know, very suit and tie. And there's nothing wrong with that to a degree. It's just not, cool and i think a big part of the appeal of hamilton and the mercedes brand is that hamilton made mercedes a cool team to root for great social media team great merchandise hamilton you know became like a a fashion icon you know as he found some and then developed some confidence because his team let him bring roscoe into the paddock and he could wear whatever the hell he wanted like He's the only person, and besides maybe Zhou Guan Yu, that we give a shit about on Thursday now when they actually run up in the paddock to see what outfit they're wearing as they enter. That's that's how wild Hamilton is. And don't get me wrong, I love George Russell. I think he's a great driver. I think he'll make a fine cosplay for an episode of Peaky Blinders. But he's not Lewis. <laughs> he's not Lewis in terms of charisma or... He wears or boating shoes. He wears boating shoes with no socks on. <laughs> and I just, I can't get on board with that. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> We'll have to, how, yeah. how, how dare you dismiss the Kingsling gangster like this? But no, it's like, fine. It's, just wear some goddamn socks. <laughs> I agree. And proper I shoes and a shirt and <laughs> just, a shirt. Just any, just any shirt. But no, like it, it, Hamilton's the cool team, and I do. You, I think you've hit on something there, Dan. I think it's going to be very interesting to see how popular Mercedes are going to be as a team post Lewis. Because Not yeah, I think a, I think a lot of people were Mercedes fans because of Lewis Hamilton, not the other way around. Yeah, uh, especially given they had, especially given they had only one other person that could move the needle in that team before, and that was Michael Schumacher, because Michael came out of retirement for him, and that, and it was hard not to root for a forty year old Michael at the time because he was a legend, and you you you've got clout with that with Michael Schumacher, he's earned it, but. So post Lewis, uh, do you know um, Tommy Music, the music producer that sometimes hangs out on Quickstop F1 with them? Yes, he's very fortunate. Made some good decisions. He's he's quite wealthy. He's got some money to spare. He said that if Lewis Hamilton goes to Ferrari, he's going to go buy a Ferrari. Lewis went to Ferrari. He's got a Ferrari. They did a he did a podcast with his new Ferrari in the background last night. That is like people aren't sticking around Mercedes because it's Mercedes, mate. Like, who cares about Mercedes? Honestly, like they're not marketable at all. Especially because Ferrari is the cool team. Ferrari is the is the brand you will go buy merchandise for. They are the team that you secretly low key hope does well. Um, and Charles Leclerc's done a brilliant job of being the face of them as a new, young, modern, fresh face in recent years. But again, he ain't Lewis. <laughs> Lewis is transcendent. He is a Usain Bolt. He is a Ronnie O'Sullivan. He is a, a Roger Federer. He is someone that transcends the sport's own popularity. I, 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 it's a, I've often used that phrase. It's a club of athletes that I think will get people to watch their sport, even if they're not normally a fan, because it's that guy. Like, how many people tune out of a World Snooker Championship the moment Ronnie O'Sullivan gets knocked out? 
half the crowd do yeah. because it's he's not Ronnie. And that's that point because he's just so transcendently popular. Athletics has never recovered from Usain Bolt retiring. Um, <laughs> they haven't got a marquee. Like Noah Lyles has tried, but he's no Usain Bolt. But yeah. it's that same thing. It's the same thing with Lewis. He's he's a transcendent star and no one's going to top him in, in, in terms of that kind of popularity and clout. No chance. Well... I think we've pretty much covered everything there, gents. We've hit the hour and 30 minutes mark. Um, so thank you very much for your time. And uh, thank you, listener, for being with us for this entire time. Dre, if people want to find out what you're up to, where can they find you, mate? You can find me at motorsport101.com. That's the home of all my content. I, I write, I do podcasts, I occasionally make videos, and I'm normally a pest on social media. You can follow me um, on Elon Musk's failed business investment at Dre Harrison 101 if you want to follow me on there. Um, again, thanks again, Dan, for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. Um, good pleasure to meet Dimmy as well. All, um, you know, great, great insight. And uh, I made another friend in the journalism space. Go me. Um, I'm very proud of I'm very proud of me today but um if you if you if you like what you've heard from me and you want to hear some more the motorsport one-on-one podcast you can find us where all good all good podcasts are at i i lead the charge on that one and i'm literally recording there in about an hour and a half's time because we have to do our own version of this very podcast in a minute so <laughs> i'm put i'm pulling double duty i'm getting the strep's all yep. the cough medicine out in a minute it's I've gonna used, be a fun time i've used all his energy on my episode so now he can go and be crap on his own yeah podcast. but now yeah Dre, if you use the intel I gave, please quote me. Yeah. yeah. I will I'm, I'm going to listen to that podcast. Yeah. Okay. And if you I'll, don't... I'll, I'll, I'll get sources on it. That's it. Yeah. So, so, Dimitri, same with you, mate. If people want to find out what you're up to or, or check out your work, where can they do that? In a month's time, I'm going to be um, in the borders of Greece doing my military conscription. So you can find me there. <laughs> uh, no hashtags, just walk across Bulgaria. Um, no, but seriously, I, I work for Current Driver and CurrentDriver.gr, which is basically the well-known and established magazine, but in its Greek version. Um, I cover F1, WRC, um, and uh, occasionally some endurance racing there. Um, I um, have um, an account on Elon Musk's uh, failed um, investment as well, uh, at Dimitris underscore Bizas, B-I-Z-A-S. That's my last name. Uh, no surprise there. And um, I used to have a podcast called Oversteer because uh, the reason I don't have it anymore is because we paused for this year due to my uh, absence for my military conscription. But we're going to be back. It's in Greek, though. So if any of you happen to be Greek um, and you listen <laughs> to Dan, uh, it's, a, it's a stretch. It's a reach. But uh, you, you will be able to find it in uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc. Uh, yeah, and, I can, uh, I can yeah. hardly speak English, mate. I think you're out of luck, I'm afraid, with my yeah. uh, linguistic yeah. skills. <laughs> it's, it's, it's okay. Sure. It's okay. <laughs> uh, gentlemen, thank you very much. Listeners, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for putting up with me eating my uh, dinner, emergency dinner at the start of the podcast. Uh, thank you for hanging around for the five minutes of uh, what's technical issues. I expect there'll be more technical issues next episode, let's be real. Uh, and quickly, very quickly, gentlemen, someone's in the chat has wrote no Alonso to Mercedes rumors. Alonso to Mercedes, yes or no, Dre? No, I don't see the point. Dimitri? 
Yes for the shithousery. Oh, so I've got to decide and vote. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to go yes for the shithousery as well. So there you go. You heard it here first. <laughs> cutting, all the cutting edge rumours come from us. Right. YouTube, audio recorders. We'll see you later. Peace.